Last Sunday, we heard the Pharisees and the Herodians approach Jesus to, quote, test him. But this testing was an effort to entrap him in his speech with the question of whether it was right to pay taxes to Caesar or not. In today's gospel, we hear about a Pharisee, a scholar of the law, coming to test Jesus. But this is not necessarily a trap. It was pretty common, in fact, for rabbis to debate which laws in the Torah were more important. And this debating kind of shed light on how particular rabbis interpreted the Mosaic law. And so this is probably what's going on here. And Jesus replies to this scholar of the law that love of God is the greatest and first commandment, followed closely by love of neighbor. And he's quoting, Jesus is quoting the famous passage from Deuteronomy called the Shema for the first and greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. But Jesus changes it a little bit and, and says, with all of your mind. And for the second commandment, he's not really making that up on the spot either. He's quoting Leviticus. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. This is from Leviticus 19.18. What Jesus was not doing here, though, let's be clear, by summarizing the whole law with the two commands of love, was somehow making the law less challenging or demanding. He wasn't dumbing down the law. To live out love for God and love for neighbor is all-consuming, and it's very challenging. The Pharisees... Many of them were, were skilled at simultaneously holding rigorous ritual standards while at the same time creating loopholes in the moral law, which allowed them to evade the, the high demands of love of God and love of neighbor. But the fact is, and this is, I think, Jesus' point, with love, there are no loopholes. But of course, love has to be properly understood. Many people today reduce love to an emotion or to mere niceness. Love means being nice, a really nice person. You might recall um, how I gave a whole homily many, um, many weeks ago now on how love and inclusivity are not the exact same thing. We have to nuance that. And I gave a whole homily on that. Uh, it's, it's on the podcast if you want to go back and listen to it. <clears throat> Love and inclusivity, or niceness, you might even say, are not the same thing. Love has to follow truth. Love has to follow truth. Pope Benedict XVI wrote a whole encyclical on this entitled Caritas in Veritate, Love in Truth, Love in Truth. 
And he, he speaks about the inseparability of truth and love. He said, quote, Truth needs to be sought, found, and expressed within the economy of charity or love. But charity, in its turn, needs to be understood, confirmed, and practiced in the light of truth. He said, he goes on to say, this is especially important in a culture that relativizes truth today. Truth essentially no longer exists. And listen to this line. This is very powerful. He said, quote, only in truth does charity shine forth. Truth is the light that gives meaning and value to charity. Without truth, charity degenerates into sentimentality. Love becomes an empty shell. End quote. And he'll say something similar on the opposite side. Without, um, in a sense, I'm paraphrasing, but without love, truth is cruelty, essentially. So you, they go hand in hand. Caritas in veritate. And Pope Benedict begins his whole encyclical with... Um, by reaffirming that God is love. God is love. And in Jesus, who is the perfect image of the Father, we see this beautiful marriage, you might say, between law and love, between truth and charity. Just look at any interaction with, that Jesus has in the Gospels. The woman at the well is a great example. It's a great example of what truth-centered love looks like. And he gives us a model to follow, showing us that it's not ultimately loving to tell people falsehoods or encourage them along a path that will not lead to their happiness. But I think the reason that it's important to recognize Jesus orders these loves, these two commands of love, in a certain way. And I, I would say that before we can love our neighbor with all of our heart, we must love God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind. The heart is the seat of our deepest desires and affections. But we can't love someone that we don't know. There's no love without knowledge. And so Jesus includes the mind in this love of God. We have to understand the truth about God and what he's revealed to us about himself before we can love him with all of our heart. And then our soul, love of God with all of your soul, that represents our spiritual nature. And so loving God with one's whole soul can be understood as spiritual union with God, which is our highest calling, spiritual union with God. So with our hearts rightly ordered, you might say, with God in the first place, then we can love our neighbor 
then we can truly will the good of the person who is loved. Love, once again, has to be understood as an act of the will that is based on truth. That is based on truth. I think the difficulty arises. Here's where the difficulty is. When we love someone who is engaging in self-destructive behavior, but does not realize it. And then when we point it out, motivated by love, they perceive us as not loving, but as hostile to them, or narrow-minded, or traditional, or intolerant, or bigoted. Whatever you know, term you, you can insert there. That's the difficulty. That's why it's challenging. One of the most difficult terrains, I would say, to navigate today is when dealing with someone, especially a family member or a close friend, who suffers from gender dysphoria. Someone who identifies as transgender. And I don't have time, of course, to go into this topic deeply um, in this homily, but if you want a really good pastoral letter on this topic, if this is something that you struggle with or know someone who struggles with, I would recommend Archbishop Paul Coakley of Oklahoma City. He is doing a fantastic job addressing this. And he, he wrote an excellent pastoral letter to his flock where he distinguishes between gender ideology and pastoral care or truth-centered compassion for people who identify as transgendered. And he gives actually very helpful and concrete tips and advice for how to accompany them. So that's Archbishop Paul Coakley of Oklahoma City, his pastoral letter. But in conclusion, to wrap up today, the law exists for love. I think this is Jesus' overall point. The law exists for love. The rules exist for relationship. But we need supernatural help. We need God's grace in order to live this. We, we need God's grace through faith and the sacraments. We need the love of God actually poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit through faith in the sacraments. So let's just pray a simple prayer uh, today. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of your faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.